I don't think you want to walk up to somebody on the subway and go, what happened to you? You know, I mean, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. But I think what I've learned is that I think I'd rather have somebody ask me about my difference than just pretend it's not there if they're curious and want to know more. Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where every week you'll hear conversations with experts who are knee-deep in their work to make the world a better place for us all. These people are tackling some of the world's most difficult problems, but we're not going to focus on the problem. We need to see what they see. These folks get up every morning and throw themselves gladly at efforts that make their hearts sore, even though they're difficult. Yeah, I think we need to see what they see. And I found that their insights can give us all a way to thrive with more purpose and progress in our own lives and a lot of connection to each other. So I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles where we've been curating the internet for signs of goodness and progress happening since 2014. We're shining a light on innovators who are pointing the way to an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows about. So today I'm speaking to a thought leader, Dina Zuckerberg. I've known Dina for maybe two years now, and Dina was born with a facial difference that has her sharing insights with us that can change our lives. Because you know, so many of us instinctively, unintentionally are living in limited worlds by what we see in others, that veil of whether someone's tall, short, fat, thin, skin color, ageism, all of it is all about what we look like. And Dina is going to help us get over some of that today with some great insights into how we can enjoy a world of more connection and expand who we connect with on all kinds of levels. So Dina, welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so I could have gone on with your bio for quite some time, but I think if you tell us your story, we're going to get your bio and the essence of the message that you're sharing with the world. So go at it. Tell us all about what what you're doing and your life experience and where it's brought you. Thank you. So I was born with a cleft lip and a hearing loss in both ears, so I don't hear anything on the right. And I wear hearing aid on my left, which allows me to hear just about everything. I was also born with a small left eye. So I wear painted contacts to look like the right eye. And I actually have no vision in my left eye. But it's never stopped me from doing anything I've ever wanted to do in my life. I can ski, I can drive, I can play the piano, I can ride a bicycle. And so I had six surgeries growing up in years of orthodontics and speech therapy. And I was teased in school. I was excluded growing up. Kids would stare. They would say mean things. And I remember those moments. Those moments have stayed with me even today. But I also do remember, though, far fewer the moments when someone would say, can I sit with you? Can I play with you? Can I be your friend? And about eight years ago, I joined MyFace, which is a nonprofit that helps children and adults with craniofacial differences like me. Also, so either they were born with, acquired them at some point through disease or illness or accident. And I joined as a director of family programs so that I could offer support services and programming because my goal was always that no child should have to go through what I did growing up. And that was sort of my purpose for wanting to do all the programming that we do. And so I do support groups. I do for parents and children and adolescents and adults. And I go into schools and speak to students and we can talk more about that. And I have started a podcast and also have other programming that we do throughout the year to help the kids and adults with 
what I always say is there's power in the share story and knowing you're not alone. So this is something you and I had a little pre-interview chat, and this is something maybe we should just start right there. There is power in a shared story, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I loved when you said that sentence, I felt a little shift, like the ground beneath me, like a lot, that statement explains a lot, a lot of what we've all been through for the last 18 months with the pandemic. It's a shared story. Yeah. There's a lot of power in there. You know, when I first met you, I immediately told you the story of my sister-in-law. My husband and I have been together since we were children. And my sister-in-law, his his sister, has very, very severe cerebral palsy, and I've known her all my life. And I felt moved to tell you that she has a facial difference as a part of that cerebral palsy. And I felt moved to tell you that because it's a shared story. I mean, this, exactly. this shared story concept is how we connect with others. And I definitely want one of the outcomes of this podcast episode to inspire everyone who listens to know that there are, Dean is going to share with us the communication problems that are happening in the world, you know, that keep us from sharing each other's stories. So I want to start at the top with one of the best stories I've ever heard. There is a book called Wonder, and I'm pretty sure that was the path that I took to arrive in in your circle, Dina. Tell us about the book Wonder, how it applies in your story. And, And I will tell everybody at the top, this book Wonder I think is one of the most important books I've ever read. And I've read, so I'm an avid reader. So tell us where the book Wonder fits into your story. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Wonder is a young adult novel about a boy who is homeschooled until the fifth grade. And then he's mainstreamed in school and he has a facial difference called Treacher-Collins syndrome. And, and it's about the year that he's in school and there's a bully and then it's told from different perspectives. And I agree. I, I read that book probably in one sitting and I've read it many times since and I've seen the movie and I think it's an amazing book. And for me, when even when I read the first page and, and Augie, who's the main character, talks about wishing he had a magic lamp and I remember reading that and thinking that when I was about Augie's age, probably a little bit younger, on my birthday, when I was falling out the candle, wishing that I could look like the other kids, so it would be a little easier for me. And there were these different moments throughout the book that I really resonated with. And it really spurred me on to want to go out and share my story. And I should add that that book came out almost 10 years ago. And it's been a journey. I mean, I was that child that didn't talk about my difference, that sort of everything was fine when I came home from school. And even when I was in my early 20s, I joined a group of young adults and adults with facial differences. And I remember I did not want to go. I, was, I remember I received a letter from somebody saying that there was this group and then I put that letter under my night table and I ignored it. And then I met one of those members at a party and she said, I know you, I sent you a letter and I want you to come to this meeting before cell phone. And she called me, called me, called me, tracked me down. And she said, I'll meet you around the corner with somebody's home. And sure enough, I did. I went to that first meeting and I did not necessarily want to be there, but it was life-changing for me because it was really the first time that I met others like me. And to that very story, you know, that very idea that there's power in the shared story and knowing you're not alone. And we did a theater production called Let's Face the Music, which was skits, song, and what we did called mirror logs. So looking in the mirror, what do you see? But they were monologues that we did. And we performed it at a theater, which is so perfect in downtown in Tribeca called the One Dream Theater had the perfect name. And, and I'll tell you what's interesting. So we did a skit where um, two girls are playing. So I'm one of the girls they're in a supermarket. And the mother comes over and says to the other girl, you can't play with her. She could be contagious. And then there's this whole scene. And afterwards, I learned that 
from my mom that there was a situation when I was younger, a child where maybe a doctor's office, I can't remember, where the mother didn't want um, me playing with her child because I look so different, I guess. So I never knew that story, but it's sort of here I was doing it and then that story came up. So it really was as amazing as that experience was and it was, but it's sort of, I still, I think, didn't really come out of my shell fully. And I think it really was wonder that really allowed me or gave me that permission to really start telling my story. And somehow once I started, I couldn't stop. So, Yes. Well, this is the wonder of the book wonder. It, It is written for young adults, but I would, I would say we are all a young adult at heart when it comes to trying to protect our dignity, worried about what other people think, all those things. I think we're all just stuck at age 13 or 14 in that self-consciousness. And I I have no qualms in recommending that book. It's um, by RJ Palacio. It's called Wonder. It's a magnificent story, fun and funny. And um, as Zena pointed out, it's a great read because it looks at this, the differences of others from his angle. And then the writer cleverly does, looks at the whole thing from the sister's angle. Right. And then the bully's angle. Is there one more? There were. Yes. Here. And I believe it was a friend or another. Oh, yes. Best partner. friend. Yes. yes best friend. friend. That's right. So, uh, you know, the chapters go like that. They, they, they talk about a scene in, in his perspective and then his sister's and that, it is magnificent. It's not a long read. You could lay down on the couch on a rainy afternoon and finish it and come away absolutely transformed. And what's amazing is, because I've met the author several times and got to know her quite well, is that she really didn't know anybody. She she hadn't really, she did some research, but she didn't have a child uh, uh, who had a, a difference. She was at an ice cream parlor with her two sons, her younger son was in a stroller, her older son went in to get ice cream and she's sitting in on the on a bench with her younger son and on the other bench was a mother and little girl with a craniofacial difference. And the author was trying to protect her son from seeing this little girl because she was so worried about how he would react. Sure enough, he sees, starts to cry, get upset and she takes them away. And she will say that one of her biggest regrets even today is that she didn't stay and engage with the mother and child. She didn't have that conversation. Okay, so we were going to do this later in the podcast, but we're just too darn close. We're hovering around it. Let's talk about communication because I noticed that during the the very beginning of the George Floyd um, chapter in All Our Lives, because I don't know very many people that that whole summer didn't, tear us apart in some ways. What I noticed is no one knew quite what to say to others. And so they said nothing. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about happening. Like your mother was, uh, let's see, she was so worried about what her child would say to the other mother that she just took her away. So she said nothing. Right. And I think that there was a lot of that going on between the races during the George Floyd summer is that when we didn't know quite what to say or we didn't want to be wrong or we didn't want to hurt someone else, we thought the best thing to do was to not engage. But I bet you you're here to tell us that we got that all wrong. Yeah, it's funny because when I was younger and I I didn't really want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about my difference. But what changed, a couple of things changed. My brother and sister-in-law had, so my niece was born and she would, when she was about three years old or four years old, she'd come and try to tell me a secret on this side. And I would be like, no, you got to tell me on this side. And then what I realized is the more I talked about it and just introduced her to these things, it became no big deal. It was just a part of who I was. It wasn't all of me. It was just a part of that. And what I've learned is that I think it's okay for people. I think people are naturally curious and just want to understand. And when they don't understand something, there's fear. So the fear of the unknown. So, and I think it's so important also to what you're saying, to have the conversations and to understand and get to know somebody else and not necessarily make the assumptions. I think it's so easy for us to make assumptions about others and to not just talk about our differences, but also talk about what are the things that 
the commonalities, you know, because you may learn, oh, I love to go to movies too. And I love that song or that, you know, kind of music. What are those things that we have? And to learn about, and I think there's a time and a place to do it. I don't think you want to walk up to somebody on the subway and go, what happened to you? You know, I mean, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. But I think what I've learned is that I think I'd rather have somebody ask me about my difference than just pretend it's not there if they're, if they're curious and want to know more. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and words matter. You know, I, I learned that the summer of the George Floyd nightmare in America when I was interviewing for this podcast, an amazing friend of mine for many years. Her name is Principal Linda Wayman. She has a, a one of the most powerful TED Talks there is. Look up Principal Wayman. Oh my gosh. Wow. Anyway, she's a Black woman who cha- who transformed the fourth most dangerous high school in America with love. Mm. <laughs> with hard love. Anyway, when the George Floyd thing was rolling, it was distressing both of us. And finally, we just decided in our friendship, we were just going to ask it straight up to each other. Linda, what do you want me to, because I was uncomfortable. Do I say African-American? Do I say black? You know, what do I say? And so I was saying nothing. And we decided right then when she was doing the same from her end about different things. So this just happened to you and I, and I want to give it as an example of how life could be. Because that's the thrust of this podcast, Dina, as I explained to you and I introduced the audience. What we want to do on this podcast is share a version of reality that could be out there for us all that you see. And you see a world where it's perfectly okay to have this dialogue. So when I was chatting with Dina right before we decided to record, I was talking about how I was going to introduce her. and And I first wrote that Dina Zuckerberg was born with a facial deformity, blah, blah, blah. And she stopped me really right there. And she said, you know, I don't really like the word deformity. I like the word different. And then I was like, oh, of course. And I, I didn't feel bad. I, I, I just was grateful for the for the nuance and the correction. So talk to me about those sort of instances and what we all can learn about how we chat with somebody who's different than us. Yeah. So a couple of things. I think exactly what you said. I think we all say things and we don't necessarily know that is the right thing to say or not the right thing to say. And I'm not saying that one is wrong or not, but it's just what I feel more comfortable with. I think some people wouldn't mind it in the same way that I do. The other thing is, I think there is a time and a place and a way to ask something. So one of the things I've thought a lot about is how do you ask somebody about their difference? So how do you, because you know, you don't want to walk up to somebody and say, ooh, what happened to you? Or, oh my gosh, I, I think there's a way to do it. And it's, may I ask you about your face and may I ask about your difference? And I think I always say you're much more likely to get the answer to questions. And and I even when I go into school and talk to the kids and I say, and you're more likely to make, maybe even make a new friend because you've engaged in that conversation. So, and again, I think there's a time and a place to do it. You're not going to do it in a crowded subway and where you haven't met somebody and probably do it right then and there but you may if meeting somebody and you're having dinner and you're curious you might be the other thing that I've learned for myself is again because I wasn't the child or the person that wanted to talk about my differences but as I so I had a hearing loss and I was always told I had to sit in front of the class so I could hear the teacher better I if I was sitting at a table, I should sit so the person is sitting on this side of me so I can hear them better. So they're on the left side of me. But And so what I've also really discovered, and I think it comes with age and wisdom, is that it's so much easier for me to just say, listen, I can't hear you on this side. So I just want you to know. I, I and, and so as I've gotten to do that, it's just so much more freeing. And, and people will totally understand. And in fact, I remember saying it to once somebody at a party and that guy said to me, oh, oh yeah, because I too, I have a hearing loss on this side and totally opened up and the power of the share story, right? It totally opened up the whole thing. We had something in common that I never would have known had I not said anything. So, so this is something I've <clears throat> noticed in my professional life. You know, if I, in my professional life, 
some of our listeners know, I, I was a dentist for 25 years. Um, I would never ask a patient how old they were without saying, because that's relevant to people's dental history. It would give me a clue about what stage that she should be in. And so I always would say how old I am first, mm. right? I'd say, I'm 59. How old are you? And then I, I was willing to be vulnerable first, or if it, right. something had to do with, with acid reflux, I'd say, oh, gosh, I, I know what it's like to suffer with acid reflux. How about you? You know, so this being vulnerable first, has yeah. that been a, would you recommend that as like a way to break the ice if you can feel other people are struggling? Yeah, I think vulnerability is so important. It, it makes for more, I think, intimate relationships with people and opening up is is so, it just changes the relationship. So yes, I, I agree. And again, this is a journey and this is, I struggle with that, you know, about being vulnerable, vulnerable and opening myself up. And, but I think it's really, it's good. And when I do it, I feel so much better than when I don't open myself up. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things I wanted to make sure we, we talked about today is the misconceptions that are, I think our brain automatically like it tells us, you know, our brains are built to get from A to Z really fast. You know, 40,000 years ago, we had to see somebody a hundred yards away in the forest and know whether they had good intentions or bad. So some of this, these biases that we have are pretty hardwired in there. But, yeah. and, and so I, I don't like to look, look fault finding in ourselves. I'm, I, I, I think that shame is pretty useless in general. So help us understand more about the misconceptions people have about people with facial differences and, and what we should think or what we could think if we, if we paused and, and got more curious. So one of the things that I really struggle with is the assumptions people make. So the face is the first thing you, when you meet somebody, it's practically the first thing you look at is somebody's face. And so if you see a face that looks different from yours because of a facial, a craniofacial difference, I think the assumptions that people make is that you're not as smart or capable. And I remember as a child, when, and I've heard this over and over again from different people in the community, is that when, I don't know, a, a waitress would come over or somebody would come, or a salesperson in a store, they would come over and ask my mother the question instead of me because they were making the assumption that because I looked different, I wasn't able to answer for myself. And so, and then I think even in the field, you know, in education and schools, I think there's a lot sometimes assumptions that are made that are not necessarily true. And I think it's just educating. And, and I think education is so important because I think, again, we make those assumptions and sometimes those assumptions have been around a lot of years and it's sort of hard to break that. But I think it's, again, important. And I think, again, having that dialogue and educating and sharing, just like when I shared that story with the guy who's sitting next to me and sure enough, he had a hearing loss too. And he's like, yeah, I'm sitting on the wrong side too. So I think that totally makes sense. Yeah. So I think this, this, the power of a shared story is probably what we do when we have to stand too close to someone. And, and so we're sort of forced, like when, you know, when you're on an airplane, you're sitting so close, you could practically smooch. And, and so the impulse to try and have a conversation with that person is to break that awkward moment. And I found myself working hard to find a shared story with strangers a lot, just to get you out of an awkward moment, you know? Yeah. Yes. I, I think that's really true. Yeah. Tell me, I thought this was really interesting. So this, this effort to educate, to get beyond this way of thinking, it started a long time ago, right? I was surprised to learn that myface.org started 70 years ago. Tell us that story because it's a, it's powerful and it, and it reflects on where we should be today. Yeah. So my face, which used to be so started, the organization started as the Society for the Facially Disfigured. Uh, and there's that word, right? <laughs> I said I didn't like at the beginning. Yeah. And it really was start, started to help men and women who were coming back from the war who had been injured in the face. And 
It evolved over time, became the National Foundation for Facial Reconstruction to really helping children who were born and uh, with craniofacial differences and children and adults who may have acquired their difference through accident, illness, or disease. And so a few years ago, we rebranded and became the, became my face. And really, so we provide access to holistic, holistic, comprehensive care by giving grants to, for example, NYU, the craniofacial department there, and also really just providing education, resources, and support so that nobody, that so people know that they're not alone. I think some, it's interesting in the pandemic, we, so we used to do all the, so one of the things I did was support groups and we had an adult support group. And during the pandemic, we went virtual. We had to pivot like everybody else. And so what was pretty amazing was, is once I started doing on Zoom, the meetings is that people could then join. So the adult group, for example, I have somebody who joins from Australia and Florida and California from all over the country. And it's been amazing to see how it's evolved. And then they wanted to meet every other week. So I used to do them monthly because they just, they wanted to talk. And the same thing with the parent group is they just want to talk and connect and know that, for example, their child's going to be okay. And because somebody else is further along on the journey. And I think, I think people need to realize that it is a journey, this whole. And so it doesn't just end necessarily at age 12. There's a lot. I mean, I'm still on that journey. And so, yeah. Okay. So I love where we're at with this, you know, this wanting to connect and this impulse to find a community of others that are like-minded. This is I think this is one of the things to come out of the pandemic that could be, you know, an opportunity in disasters that we've all found how important it is and how easy it is once we find our community, how good it feels yeah. to to be in 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 uh, in community with people who share a similar purpose. And I love your point about connecting with others who are maybe just a few steps ahead of us. You know, I um some of the people that listen to this podcast know I had a one pound baby 23 years mm. ago. And she lived. She's still one of the very smallest babies to um, to survive at, at that level. That, that's 23 weeks, five days. That's as low as you go. Wow. And I still get letters from people all the time who are having that, that kind of baby. It's called a micro femi. It's tough going, man. But wow. these efforts to reach out to others is all about our humanity. It's finding people to share what what we have in common. I was just going to say one of the things that has been coming up a lot in conversations with people is I wish I had that community when I was younger. They're just finding it. They're 40 years old and they're just finding that community. And it it just makes me want to, we need to get ourselves out there more to let people know because I think so many people didn't have that community. And I, I didn't necessarily have that community until I found it. So. Yes. So this is, this is part of the journey. You keep mentioning this journey. Uh, You know, I'm part of my message is to tell people to seek. You can't let the world come to you. Just wait for it to come to you. But especially that's one of the lovely things about the internet, as much as it (laughs) can trash uh, our worldview, it is also a mechanism of connection that we all, I mean, you, you were 40 because the internet's made it easier to do that, right? Yeah, I think when I was born and when I was a child, there was no internet and there was no cell phones and there wasn't social media and all of that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what is so much better about the world now. I think it affords other challenges like being a child with social media and cyberbullying and all that is not a positive, but I think there are so many incredible positives Mm -hmm. that have come out of it, especially for people to now connect. Mm -hmm. Well, let's take a break. I'm going to talk about something very relatable to to this topic of of finding a community and living with purpose and finding others who bring out your best impulses. We'll take a break and we'll come back and we're going to talk more with Dina about some amazing concepts that I think she can shine a light on for us all. So let's take a break. There is an important shift happening in the world right now. People 
in business and industry are calling it the great reset or the great resignation, but I'm calling it the great questioning. People are pausing and they're questioning their priorities, the work they do and how they live. And they are feeling there is something they are uniquely built to contribute, but they're not doing it right now. Not yet. It's all across the spectrum from recent grads to nine to fivers to people considering a second climb after a long, successful career. Well, that's a problem that can be solved. On October 10th, the second annual Conspiracy of Goodness Summit will send you soaring with new energy, practical tools, and connections to a community that is growing in what we're calling the gratitude economy. The event will be an afternoon of short, powerful talks and interactive sessions and live Q&A and the insights that you'll need to develop your road, your roadmap to living with purpose. The bottom line is this, people are solving some of the world's biggest problems and they still think that the future is bright for us all. We need to know what they know, how they got started, how they look at obstacles as opportunities. You can learn directly from their lived experience and connect with a community of people that are also goodness-driven, who will celebrate and amplify your path to a purpose-driven life. So join us on Sunday, October 10th from noon to three Eastern time. This event is your way to connect immediately to a wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows about yet. Go to COG summit.com for more information and tickets that's c-o-g conspiracy of goodness summit.com so dina we'll have to have you on the, the conspiracy of goodness summit one day yeah absolutely i love that we've got some amazing speakers i think uh, the other day i calculated many of them i've already interviewed on the podcast you know this kind of sharing what we know, which is what you're helping us with today so that we can be expanded, is something that I love uh, about our current time. Most of us are all ears if somebody can help us thrive. So, okay. One of the things that I absolutely love that, that you talk about is this, the masks that we wear. Share with us how that concept relates to your life and what kind of insights we might take away for our own. Yeah. So... I recently started hosting and launched a podcast uh, of my own called My Face, My Story. And uh, the first episode we did was on the mask we wear, both literally and figuratively. I think, and the idea of removing the mask, I think for many of us in the craniofacial community, and I'm sure it's not even just us, I think everybody to some extent wears a mask. And it goes to the idea of being vulnerable, right? I think it's hard to be open up and be vulnerable, but it's so rewarding when you do. But I think for many of us in the craniofacial community, it is tempting. And I think at times we've all sort of hidden behind a mask or become somebody else in the world because we thought it would be easier to be that than to really show ourselves and be completely vulnerable that way. But I think, and again, I think it's not just people with facial differences. I think to all, we all do it to some extent. And so, yeah, so that really was what that was about. But I think, and, and then the idea of removing the mask. And I think that comes with, for me, I think that came with age and wisdom and putting myself out there more and it's really when I started speaking in schools and sharing my story through the Wonder Project and using Wonder as the basis for that is, and then having that reaction from the kids really allowed me to do that more and to, uh, so, and to remove the mask and yeah. So tell me what we, what we can learn from kids. I, there's a very famous uh, Ted talk called my 12 pairs of legs. I highly recommend that talk for most people. This is fabulous woman who is missing both legs from the knees down. And she was on the cover of sports illustrated with the spade legs, very famous for running like, like a cheetah. And she talks about the, how, how children are so honest and so curious and, that's really what she prefers. So tell me what you what children's reaction has taught you and and what it has to for us to learn. Yeah, so I have over the years uh, presented to almost 
around 40,000 students and, and, and over 140 schools. And so I have talked to many, many uh, kids and couple of things is that one of the things that I talked to them about is choosing kind and then being a active upstander, not just a passive bystander. And I remember when I was presenting to a group of students and this boy raised his hand and he cheerfully shared that just the week before he had witnessed another boy picking, another child picking on somebody. And he regretted Uh, after hearing me talk that he didn't stand up for this kid. And he said that going forward, he was going to be an upstander. And that just, I I was, and he was so sweet. And it was just an amazing experience. And the other uh, story that I love is that I was presenting at a school and a classroom. And I shared about my hearing aid and I showed it in my ear and this boy was all excited, raised his hand and he said he had double hearing aids and he hadn't met anybody before who had a hearing aid like he did. And he was so excited. And it was just when RJ Palacio had come out with Where All Wonders, which is a picture book, also based on Augie for the younger kids. And I had it, I had bought it to, and he asked at the end if he could read it to the kids. And all the kids, he was reading the book and all the kids were standing around him and he just, he was beaming. He was just so, so, I mean, I have so many stories and so many, but I think they take away the idea of how they can be kind to somebody they they understand. They appreciate that I share with them my differences. And I think there's also this story, I remember so years ago I had presented, it's before Wonder, but I had presented on a panel to a high school and this girl was in that class and then we did it. So we did two presentations and she came back. She asked if she could come back to the class again and she raised her hand and she shared that she had a pimple on her face. And that was like her entire world, that pimple on her face. And after hearing us talk, she just wanted us to, to know that. And so I think that we all, especially kids, all struggle with, especially at a certain age, with appearance and and you know wanting to fit in and be like the other kids uh, uh, maybe and so I think the messages that we share that I share are so universal not just having a, a facial difference it can be a brown eyes blue eyes tall short skinny not so I think yeah yes so you know the wisdom of children is super powerful <laughs> what happens to us it's there I think it's still in us most of the time but there's just so many layers between us and our truth very often yeah and sometimes I think so I was going to say sometimes I think we need to educate adults sometimes more than kids because I think especially kids at a young age they get it something shifts I think for some people but I think sometimes I think we need to educate adults more than we need to with kids so yeah, kids just have a natural curiosity that's just all out there. There's no yeah. agenda, no self-consciousness is just there. And it, it, it is easy, easier to take, you know, because we know it's so, it, it, there's nothing thinly veiled there. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. So one of the things that I, I really love about this active upstander and passive bystander is that it ties into this notion that I've been really watching in society now. So essentially, we're looking at the people who watched something dreadful happen and they stood up. They, they, they said, no, this won't stand. Or the bystander who didn't stand up. But what I'm very curious about these days is the bully. Like, you know, we're not going to get anywhere with anybody in society that we decide is a bully on social media, on the news media, whatever. If we decide somebody's a bully, we're not going to get anywhere by, by just tug of war. And I've noticed if you try and protect the bully's dignity, you can move the bow down the field a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about, about this concept of focusing on the, on the story of the bully a bit more than we do. Yeah, so I think that, and I understand it, I think we tend to focus on the person who's being bullied or teased or excluded. And, but I think what we know and learn is that usually there's a story behind the bully. And I think we shouldn't just, it's not about 
punishing the bullies per se, but I think it's also understanding why they do that. And sometimes it may be something going on at home. It may be just lack of understanding. I mean, there's so many things. And I think we do ourselves a disservice by not looking at that more. And I think in the even in the book Wonder, I mean, that kind of comes out, this whole idea that the boy who's bullying, there's a story behind that. I don't want to give that away, but there is a story of why he does that. And I think it's important to pay attention to that too. And, yeah. and I, you know, I, one of the things I'm, I'm uh, messages I try and convey in almost every opportunity I can is be kinder than we need to be. So if somebody, somebody just tells you, be kind, Dina, <laughs> you say, I am kind. But right. if somebody said, be kinder than you need to be, that means, you know, wherever your game is, raise it. I love that. And, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I feel contempt in this world, I just simmer down. I just pause. And I say to myself, Dr. Linda, be, be kinder than you need to be. And that usually gets me through some pretty tough moments. And then I'm able to protect the other person's dignity and, and understand and pause and then get curious right. and understand. So I think there's a lot of contempt we could solve in this world if we just paused and got curious and really worked hard to preserve the other person's dignity, even if they are a bully. And I do think it's so important to listen to other people's perspectives. I think we're so quick to want to speak and less likely to want to listen. And I think it's really important to so many issues that are happening in the world and to hear the other perspective, because I think dialogue is so important, but also listening because we can learn we're not the same. I mean, there's so many differences and so many, and I just, I I always think about how important that is because there's been so many, even during this pandemic, as you talked about earlier, there's been so many issues and things that have come up. And I think it's important to hear those different perspectives and have that dialogue and learn why people feel a certain way or think a certain way. I may not agree with it, but I think it's important to understand it where they're coming from. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that that relates back to, to your journey and, and mine as, as becoming a friend of yours and anybody else out there who's is struggling with some kind of difference that they have with someone in their lives. Or I, I think that what you're, what you're trying to convey to us and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're improving my way of thinking with every sentence. If we just if we just search for what we our shared story, let's just stay right there. If we just yeah. search for what we have in common with people and try and give our differences that what they're due, which is probably not very much attention, we're probably going to come out on the winning end of almost every relationship. Absolutely, I, I, yeah. I agree. So, as we kind of wind down here, I want to to have you share with us any big insights that you have that, you know, what I notice about thought leaders in this world, most of them have one or two big things that they just wish everyone knew. Like they, they probably get up in the morning and say to themselves, I know I have a few things like that. If only everyone knew this, what would that be? I think that everybody is on a journey and to respect that. And, and I think that choosing to be kind, I think it's such an important lesson that I hope and wish more people would um, take that message with them. And like I said earlier, that we all have that shared story. And sometimes we need to find what that shared story is, but that, and that we can all learn something from each other. Absolutely. And that could be with someone who has a facial difference. That could be, you know, our uncle Charles, who we know we have to sit by at the Thanksgiving table. What if we just look for a shared story with uncle Charles, who we think we have nothing in common with, you know, this, you are sharing a, a heavy, very powerful insight with us. Okay. So as we kind of wind down, there's two more questions I really want you to share with our audience. One that you talked about at the very start of our conversation, you talked about finding your purpose. You said, my goal was, and my purpose was. Talk to us about about any insights you have about how it feels to be somebody living with purpose. Like this is, uh, I think a lot of us are on a search right now. The pandemic has all made us all think, 
you know, is there something I'm uniquely built to share? Talk, talk to us about this purpose issue. Yeah. I think it's funny because when I was growing up, my mother always said, find something that you love to do. Because if you find something you love to do, you'll want to get up in the morning, something along those lines. And what I do at my face is really, I feel like it's become my purpose. Because, and I think it's funny because I was teased and I was bullied and I was all those things growing up. And I, and I had surgeries and I had all these things. But I, I also, and I think, and yeah, I said, you know, maybe I don't wish that on anybody or I want to make it easier for that person. But at the same time, I also recognize that I wouldn't be doing what I do if I hadn't had that experience. And, and in that sense, I'm so grateful that I can do what I do and love it and get up every day and want to do more um, to the extent that I almost it's become, there's, I, I could do it on a Sunday because I love it so much. So I think, I think if everybody can uh, have that, I think it's amazing. That is so true. I'm exactly the same way. People are always asking me, oh, when are your work hours? And I never feel like I'm working when I'm on this right. ever widening circles conspiracy <laughs> of goodness journey. No, I feel very lucky that way. You know, something you said that that I want to um, just amplify as far as the the journey and the purpose and all that is um, is this notion that as we go along, every bit of our experience is important. We we would be incomplete. We wouldn't be here. And you you used a very specific words there about how you manage the meaning of these bad things that happen to you. Right. I think this is something that's very, very important for our times is that we don't just go on autopilot when bad things happen. We don't just let our crazy brain full of all kinds of strange notions decide what the meaning of that bad thing is. If we can put it in context of what we, what our purpose, what we want to do to help others or what we're good at. So it really looks like you managed now, you really are serious about managing the meaning of the, of the bad things that have happened to you over the years. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I was the person you just described probably at one point in my life. We all were, we all were. Yes. I mean, I think we wouldn't be human in some ways if we didn't have those. And, and, but I think I've gotten to a point and I still have growth. I have growth to um, pursue, but I think that in the last year or two, especially in this world we've been living in, I can appreciate how much this, if I didn't have this, I feel like, I mean, this in some ways has gotten me through the pandemic, just the work that I do. And and one of the things I really struggled with at the beginning of the pandemic was I loved seeing the families and the kids that we served. And all of a sudden I couldn't anymore in the same way. And so I couldn't. And so I was really in the beginning, so worried about I wasn't connecting. I wasn't. And then I started doing these Zoom meetings and programs on Zoom. And it's not the same, even with the school presentations. And I did close to 40 presentations this year during the pandemic. But it's not the same, but I think it was a good um, solution. And then in a funny sort of way, after this is all over, I'm not sure we're going back. I think it's going to be a com- it's going to be a hybrid. It's going to be some combination of these things because all of a sudden we could reach so many more people that we couldn't that we weren't doing it initially. This is the opportunity in this disaster is that we have figured out a way to reach more and more of each other, reach out mm-hmm. even deeper. Yeah. So as we finish up here, I love to ask people who are who have really found their mission and purpose. If there is one thing that could happen in in your project that would just burst open the doors on possibility that that you were just oh, if only this happened, then I could I could see this thing really really expanding. Are, is there anything like that 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 you want to just put out there <laughs> that you really need to have happen? Well. Uh, maybe I'm not quite answering this question right, but I think having just launched this podcast and that I, uh, my face, my story, and because for me, I, I guess I, I want to reach more people yeah. and, and I want people to know they're not alone. They're not, they're not the only one. And I think that has become my new sort of mission is to figuring out. And I think my face is very much wanting to do this is how do we, let people know that we're out there. And yes. and the podcast is a great way to do that. And- I totally agree. I totally agree. And I want to encourage people to think past 
just the first level here because Dina's podcast is going to reach people who, for instance, have suddenly lost all the control of the left side of their face with Bell's palsy. I mean, that can happen with with shingles. That can happen at any age. This is people in automobile accidents. This is not, this is a, a way wider world than just particular to Dina's story, right? And And we we all probably have connections, right? Absolutely. And that's the beauty of of this. And I think also for me, it was really important that, so the people who participate, because I have some people in the adult community with craniofacial difference participating, it's also to not only educate the general public and let people know that that there's a community, but also to empower those that are participating. Mm-hmm. to find their voice and use their voice and 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 to get their messages out there. So that's yeah. also, it, it works both okay. ways. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Principal Wayman, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast, after our, po- our podcast interview with him, with her, you know, <laughs> you never know. So a very, very kind, well-connected person in the city she's located in funded her program for a year after she heard our podcast interview. So- wow. You know, you got to ask for what you need in this world. And I'm a big believer in in being multipliers for each other's goodness. So pass the word that myface.org exists and you will connect others to a world of belonging and support that will be unimaginably positive as as Dina has shared with us. So thank you so much. Any anything Dina and I have mentioned is going to be in the show notes. This this podcast is, is part of an Everwinding Circles article that we are going to be delighted to share. Dina, as we wrap up, how can people connect with your work besides the podcast? Are there other places? Is there any parting thoughts you'd like to leave for us all? Yeah, so people can check out our website, myface.org. Uh, we have all our resources and our programming and opportunities to get involved on there. Uh, they can find all the information, including our podcast, the Wonder Project, and then people can contact us by going to info at myface.org if they okay, have any great. questions. Thank you. And again, if you need a book that will be a, <laughs> a game changer in your life that to, for a rainy Saturday afternoon or a, or a two, what do you think that book takes to read? Two hours? Is it an audio book too? If, is it a great it's one? An audio, it's an audio book and it was also made into a movie. Although I really do encourage people to read the book first before they see the movie. Absolutely. But, absolutely. but I think it leads it to the imagination. I think mm-hmm. it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Read a, a great two, three hour drive. That would exactly. be, that would be a, a a heck of an entertaining would just go by like that so thank you so much for any information about dina's work again in the show notes remember to check out the conspiracy of goodness summit that is going to be an afternoon in october that will be transformational for so so many reasons talk about joining a community finding a sense of belonging with people who are looking to do good in the world and hearing the stories of others who are on their journeys oh my gosh we have amazing guests uh, as always dive into ever widening circles the articles over there at ewc.co are going to put a spring in your step the app is like having the antidote to the daily news in the palm of your hand and i hope all these connections to goodness and progress will carry you through your week and you'll start finding that joy and wonder that dina and i have been talking about thanks so much